everyone welcome back to episode six of two twins in a mic it's your favorite podcasters sam and eli here for another entertaining episode so i'm feeling a lot better this week guys um i you know i've had the flu it was the super flu um that took a while for me to recover from i was also feeling quite tired from overtraining ironically though um i'm taking a couple weeks off from training because i got need in the rib recently and i'm not too sure if my rib is severely bruised or broken so that's kind of shut down my ability to to train which really sucks like for me because it was such a big part um, of my day-to-day life and yeah like now i'm back to this square one position where like i need to fill in my time and i don't want to be that guy that fills in his time with um like binge watching netflix and you know, um, just like I have no issues with that stuff, but like it's just a very passive way to live. And I just don't want to like feel like I'm wasting my time with something that the utility or what's the word, the return on investment is just very low. Like there's nothing, there's not much to gain. And a lot of the stuff that's on Netflix is just very dark and dystopian. And like I'm just thinking of Euphoria and those kind of shows. Like, I think that's why Netflix is also suffering a lot um, in terms of just like losing subscribers and economically because they've invested in a lot of, to be honest, like crap shows. Like I know there's a lot of people that love Euphoria and stuff, but I don't know. Like it's just very dark, very like dark elements. Interesting that you say that because I feel like a lot of people, by the way, it's Sam. By the way, everyone, it's Sam. Um, So I didn't even say hi. So hello, everyone. Um, but on that point, a lot of people that do binge and watch Netflix, and I am guilty, I'm one of them, um, in the past more so than recently, it's a form of escapism, you know? So what happens is you come back home from work or you might be working from home and then you find yourself, one, always on your phone, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, social media in general. Again, it's just you escaping your reality and living vicariously through other people, through models that you have on Instagram, through um, celebrities, through you know YouTube celebrities. Uh, you know why? Why should anyone be so fascinated with some random stranger's life, or what they're wearing, or what they're eating, where they're going? You know where, where they're holiday, where they're holidaying. It's very, very strange when you do think about it. And again, it's, it, there's nothing wrong also with watching TV and, and Netflix. But I think the, the amount that most people watch, including myself in the past, um, is quite excessive. And that's because, again, you're, live, you're trying, rather than making, rather than actually doing something yourself in your life, you're living it vicariously through what you watch on television. So say, for example, back in the day when we used to watch Suits, I used to think I was like Harvey Specter, but I never did anything to be like Harvey Specter. But I would wake up the next day, go to work as if like I'd done something tremendous, you know. But it, it's interesting how your mind kind of shifts and you, you absorb um, these 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 character traits. But for a lot of people, it's it's kind of the um, low hanging fruit, you know. It's it rather than actually making these big meaningful changes in your life, it's so easy to just latch onto a TV show and then kind of live out your own existence through that false reality. Yeah, that reminds me like 
a couple of years ago and you probably remember this but i had a phase where like i was just so addicted to just i guess binge watching television programs and almost i think almost every night i would come back and watch friends like just the reruns i'd watch suits i'd watch smallville i'd watch is it 13 things what is it what's that one with it's selena gomez one um i forget the name but um stranger things just so many so many different programs like just constantly like just binge watching content and um yeah i think like i I look back now and i i realized that i was actually like sleepwalking like I i legitimately like like i know i i know the feeling of like i go back i'm like that's like the way I was feeling back then is like I felt I was asleep. Like I was literally just a, a robot just sitting there on the couch eating and like feeling like you said good because I'm living vicariously through these characters. But like I just remember, yeah, being because so, I didn't really like my job. So like that was I hated that old job. Right. Um, and like, you know, life is a bit like, I guess, boring to an extent. Like it was only fun when we would travel with the fr- like with our friends and stuff like that was the best part of life but yeah otherwise like i just remember being like man you know like um reflecting back i was just dead like i literally was dead and it's sad but in the sense like i would just wish like a person had the same realizations that i have now which is just like oh man you should have like should have signed up to like something you know like um i don't know like a painting course or dancing classes or just something like you know just get active be around other people like that that for me i mean we did join like that that society and we did like i, I maybe i'm like selling myself short here like we did try certain things but it wasn't um i don't think it was the healthiest stuff like <coughs> excuse me w- when you realize there's um a group of people which are not aligned to you i think the best thing to do in that moment for us like i'm talking about that society we joined was to leave you know I mean, I, would, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. Um, one, because a lot of people go about mo- the majority of their life, you know, not kind of waking up from this coma, as I like to, to call it. So what happens is everyone gets stuck in the, the rat race, right? Because we're all trying to meet these milestones. And the milestone that you were trying to meet and a lot of people around your age at that time, including myself, it was the, your career progression, Particularly if you're a person that's, if, if that's a very important um, thing for you, a particular objective, not everyone's focused on, on, on their careers. Like some people say, for example, yeah, they focus on relationships really early or they're, they're just happy doing a very kind of simple job. You know, there's no real need for them to, to climb up the ladder and, you know, make $200,000 a year. Um, some people are just happy to make 90000 a year, you know, and, and they live a very simple life. So everyone, so what I know, I know your focus was, and it kind of matches your personality, which is, you know, traveling overseas. I think you've traveled to at least thirty-three countries, maybe more, um, from because I've actually counted it. Um, we've traveled to just as many countries, I think, together. Um, so also, you know, you you climbed the crop the corporate ladder rather quickly compared to a lot of people. You're probably better off overall, and I think you realize that. Um, and then there was a very strong emphasis on on the gym, not necessarily to be some massive monster, 
but to be athletically fit and lean. And there's a lot of people now around our age that we kind of grew up with. And I've seen photos on Facebook and all of that. And they've, you can see that they've let themselves go. So I think the first few years of your life, you were focused on, on building yourself up rapidly. But that also took a toll. And then again, I think in the previous podcast, I mentioned during that growth phase in your 20s, you go through a process of um, disillusionment. Like I was quite disillusioned probably around 20 from the age of 25 to the age sorry from the age of 24 to the age of 26 because I was my eyes were really opening up um, and then I think I went into a slump for at least two years after that after realizing or seeing how terrible some parts of some aspects of the world and, and life um, and then that's that really got me thinking more deeply yeah, I'm, I'm glad you put things in perspective because sometimes like a person can be short-sighted and like you can be cynical and just think, see the negative in things. So I'm glad you, um, you know, were able to put things in a better perspective. But I, I agree. Like I remember I did chase like my career quite, quite, uh, what's the word? Intensely. Quite intensely, yeah. Yeah, like um, I think, yeah, as a guy... As a male, I think sometimes there's just more pressure on you. It's, it, look, as a responsible male, because there is a lot of immature guys out there. So um, I think it's important to make that distinction clear, you know, because um, there are a lot of boys out there who are not men. You know, guys who are just like, I, I understand the perspective of girls chasing relationships. You know what I mean? This, there's, there might be an argument here that people are going to say it's sexist and feminist and whatever, but. Um, I can understand girls chasing relationships um, because generally in a traditional society or in, in, in conventional society, um, it's, you know, the, bre- the breadwinner is the male or the greatest dependency financially is on the male, right? And I think, you know, your traditional girl will think, you know, I need, you know, they want to feel safe, protected, and that includes financially, you know, not just physically, so there is an inherent um, pressure on the male to do well in his career. Again, responsible male. We're not talking about little boys here who are very immature. Um, to do well in his career so that he can look after, oh, so he can establish himself and look after his partner, even his family, you know. So um, I think that's the pressure that I felt. And also there was a bit of, it's a bit toxic in the sense that our, our the way we were raised was to focus even even from like even our sister was raised to focus heavily on her career right so there wasn't so much strong emphasis on relationships and sometimes i i reflect back and think to myself like i also wish i gave myself a bit more room in that space to just like you know um be more open towards meeting other people back then but i was just so focused on my career and my personal development and growth but even at the same time now, like I look back and I'm like, I don't really have that much regret in terms of in the relationship sense, because it's from what I realized, it's like it, you know, a relationship can take a toll on you because it will take a good deal of your focus away sometimes from, from your mission, because, you know, sometimes relationships, like they need a lot of investment and there's nothing wrong with that and and work, but it, it can be a distraction. I can see sometimes why, certain people lost their way following, you know, if a relationship didn't work out. So 
Um, yeah, but I, I think it's also really important that there's a there's a good balance in terms of focusing between your between your career, your relationship, um, and other areas of your life. And yeah, so I for me, if I could give any advice to anyone at the moment out there, and it doesn't matter what your age is, but it's like um, don't just sit in front of a TV and just passively watch like content because your life is just escaping you by. And like, I know deep down that most people, there's, there's a part of you, like there's, there's some element aspect of you in terms of you have a passion or a hobby that's just, it needs the spark or the light to be ignited and you just need to get your butt up. And I'm telling you, you don't have to spend the lot, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of money, but you know, if, 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 um, if you enjoy athletics, sign up to like what, you know, um, tennis lessons. If you enjoy painting, sign up to a painting class. Like one of our mates, like he came out the other in the sense that he said, like, I actually enjoy dancing, you know, and he specifically said Bollywood dancing. And I was like, do it, dude. Sign up to classes. Like he's just watching YouTube videos at the moment to, to learn how to dance. But I'm like, just sign up to a class. Like if that's something you want to do, just do it because one, it's going to help you from in the, in the sense of like your weight loss journey. You know what I mean? Because this is something you enjoy. It's, it's, it's cardio intense. Do it. As opposed to just sitting at home and playing like your video games, like elders or whatever, you know, like I, for me, I, I actually always get triggered when I'm talking to him on the phone and he's, it's like late in the night and he's playing a video game because I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, bro, what the hell are you doing? Like you're sitting there, you're, you're complaining about your weight issues, you know what I mean? And you're playing a freaking video game. Yeah, but again, that goes back to the whole concept of escapism, right? Because it's the low-hanging fruit. It's easier to um, play a video game and think you're like this amazing leader and you've got this team and everyone's looking up to you and, and you're doing something incredible when realistically you're just hitting buttons with your basic, yeah, with your fingertips. But at the end of the day, you, yeah, you might be, um, your weight might be, I mean, you might be putting on weight and you might be letting yourself go, but it's... That's that's the problem. It doesn't matter whether it's Netflix, it's um, video games, or whatever. It there's, there's no one's saying don't indulge in these things, but I think we, everyone, or a good chunk of society, not everyone, definitely overindulges. I want to jump in and say, I'd actually recommend you not to indulge <laughs> in these things because, at the end of the day, like for example, look, if you are going to indulge in it, it has to be. There has to be a strong social aspect to it where, you know, you guys, you have your other friends and they're playing along with you. Then I think it's okay because it's like, it's a social thing. But if you're playing um, video games alone, if you're watching TV, <coughs> excuse me, alone, like, I don't think that's, that's a very healthy thing to be doing, right? <laughs> Did you bite your, t your, um, Oh, no. So Sam's just bit his lips and um, yeah, he's probably going to give himself an ulcer or whatever. Because um, we're, we're just drinking some Thai pearl milk tea. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a warm day and I guess he was chewing on one of the, um, what do you call those? Pearl, pearl balls or something. Anyways, um, yeah, so talking about TV and stuff. Um, I want to bring us back to the last topic that we uh, you want to 
quickly say something. Yeah, before we jump on, I know which topic we're going to discuss, but I also wanted to point something out. So I've I've spoken to a lot of people um, who got into who are in relationships in their early twenties or got into relationships even earlier than that. Personally, for me, my my own views are when you're that young and you've just come out of high school, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you like. You don't know what you're good at. You don't know what direction. The first few years of your 20s, I think should be spent exclusively on focusing on yourself. And I understand there's a whole, everyone's like on a timeline and females might think, you know, I need to settle down sooner and find someone earlier because, you know, the society says you have a biological, well, not society, biology says you have a biological clock. You're on your, you know, the most fertile you'll ever be. Um, and, you know, generally men like younger women so you kind of want to find the best candidate um, for yourself so but still i believe even though that's the case most people should attempt to at least really try and understand who they are because a lot of people what they do is they try and understand themselves by 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 entering a relationship Right, and thinking that somehow they're going to discover who they are by being with with someone else, that will never happen. Mm. It's very it's very weird that people think that they can kind of, you know, develop themselves within a relationship. Because I think everyone should at least spend a year or two just purely on themselves and their self development and understanding themselves better. Jumping into relationships so early, if 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 you ask me, it's more I think that person is insecure they're looking for validation they don't really have any particular real interests or any real identity right so their identity is being with someone else and then you just kind of go through the motions of life right you do the standard stuff you know you go out together to the markets or whatever you go out and have dinner together but you never really explored your interests you never explored your hobbies you never explored areas of your life which which you're supposed to kind of work on in your 20s because you're you're kind of coming into adulthood and so for me i feel like you're doing a massive disservice to yourself by simply saying to yourself i'm just going to find myself you know a boyfriend or a girlfriend and i want to be like everyone else and see i'm not ugly i'm not um unlovable i'm not um worthless someone wants me rather than saying to yourself like i'm going to do all these amazing amazing things i'm going to you know travel to all these amazing places and meet a number of people and have my views and opinions shaped and formed and you know change over time and kind of really grow my my um my my view and and knowledge base and mindset as well so what i've seen is those people that do get into relationships early you know the the relationship at the outset is very immature there's a lot it's very rocky um, there's a lot of um, issues, um, accusations, um, insecurities, you know. There's also elements where a person can outgrow a relationship, particularly that early on. A lot of people in early relationships, sorry, who enter relationships young, um, outgrow each other because they're on different time frames. So say, for, you know, you're at university or then they might not be at university and they're doing something else and you're growing and they're kind of stagnating in life. Like you're on different paths and then eventually you kind of go your separate ways and you realize you never really had anything in common nor were you kind of headed in the same direction in life 
And the only thing that brought you together was, I think, that insecurity or that need to feel loved or or accepted by someone, you know, because your your twenties is is a very it's, being in your twenties can be quite uncomfortable, because you no one want and a lot of people don't want to feel uncomfortable because you you feel you know you don't feel like you're smart enough, you don't feel like you've achieved enough, you know, you don't really know what direction you're going in, and that's that's the thing. Because I personally think a person's thirties um, or late twenties is when, particularly when your prefrontal lobe, apparently your prefrontal lobe, which is you know kind of helps you make better decisions um yeah that logical side but also the 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 side of you that allows for just more mature kind of grounded um healthy decision making that's when so your prefrontal lobe is fully developed by the age of 27 um and and maybe a little bit longer after that but i think that's when people should really be thinking about like marriage and and long-term proper commitments because before the age of 27, and I'm sure a lot of people look back and they're like, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Why would I say those things? Why would I even think that was even, you know, a good idea at the time? Well, you know why? Because you, you haven't even really fully developed as an adult. That's why. And that's why I always see people in their early 20s when they get married quite early as well. Their relationships struggle. Because you basically all you did was you had two immature people that got together, right? And got, hopefully they haven't had kids by then, but I'm sure they many people do. You know, they, they have kids and, you know, they haven't really understood who they are and they don't know, do they really have their communication um, really developed. And so you're growing in a very dysfunctional way together. But I think if people just give themselves a chance, just give yourself a chance sometimes just to be single. And I, I'm, not, I'm not, not trying to lecture people, but just give yourself an opportunity to just be on your own. Because if it makes you that uncomfortable, then there is something inherently wrong in your mindset and mentality. And you don't actually love yourself. A person who can't be on their own, by themselves, with their own thoughts, has a lot of healing to, to be done. Um, <clears throat> kind of lost my train of thought, but like I... I agree to a large extent in terms of what you're saying. I do think that certain people also enter relationships out of fear of being alone, loneliness, you know. Um, so they want they want to have somebody next to them or by them because, you know, maybe their parents are emotionally unavailable. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there could be a number of reasons why people choose to enter relationships also early on. And like you said, a big part of it is also like a lot of people define themselves by being in a relationship, which when I think about it is kind of scary because like you need to develop your own self-identity and you need to bring that into the relationship so that you're interdependent, not dependent on somebody for defining who you are, for their validation, etc. It's like you need to come in at both at an equal level. Um, so I definitely agree. And I think certain, uh, in another respect, people use relationships as a way to escape from their problems. You know, you can, cause when you're in a relationship, I think most people like, you know, if you've, if, if you've been in a relationship, like you can perhaps relate to this, but you do enter a state of almost in some respects, your world becomes a bit, let's say aesthetic or delusional in the sense that like, it's not delusional is not the right word, but it's like romanticized. Like, you know, it's like, it's it, everything becomes like, you know, more colorful in the sense when you go out you know you have somebody with you to to just enjoy the moment to laugh um you know watching a movie whatever like it does 
brighten your experience um so i can understand that but at the same time if it's being used as a form of escapism i guess that's where it gets dangerous so yeah um i i think that's like that's pretty much what i really have to say on on, on this topic but i think it's good that we explored i don't think we even had like we weren't really intending to discuss it but it's funny how when you're having an organic conversation how like just when you're opening it up uh, that conversation, how things can just be steered in a, in a certain way, unexpected way. Um, I did want to like touch base or touch back on the last discussion that we had in episode five, which was the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. And we were talking about narcissists in, in that conversation. I think that's where we last left it because as we know, Amber Heard, um, you know, was clinically diagnosed by is it shannon dr shannon curry um a psychologist from johnny depp's side who is testifying as an expert witness that amber heard has histrionic personality disorder and um, bpd um i don't think so much the issues with her bpd i think it's more with the fact that she's got histrionic personality disorder which is an extreme form of narcissism um so yeah, the case the case is a really juicy one. I have to say, like, I think though what I realized the danger is for me, like, I don't watch the whole case. So I was having a very interesting conversation with Sam today, and he was just talking about um, how we, because what I watch is pretty much sound bites, you know, TikTok highlights, <clears throat> Instagram snippets. So a lot of it is obviously pro Johnny, and it's showing like you know really good moments where Camille is just like slamming Amber Heard, just catching her out and her lies. You know, you see Johnny Depp and is it Ben, Ben True, his, his uh, senior lawyer, I'm going to guess, senior partner maybe, you know, just joking around, especially when Dr. Spiegel came and like, you know, that guy's a character, he's licking his lips. He's like a character out of like an evil villain out of a movie, you know? Um, I have to say though, like I have this speculation suspicion when it comes to, medical practitioners especially watching dr spiegel and his behavior and his interactions i think a lot of also narcissists are attracted to the profession uh the medical profession it's like especially surgeons yeah i just want to jump in quickly and correct you on that i actually i know what you're talking about i don't think dr spiegel is a narcissist okay a lot of people probably in 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 the medical field this is actually based on scientific studies do happen to be psychopaths so psychopaths are, yeah yeah so a lot of so mostly surgeons because so let me actually first of all step step by step so first of all let's focus on dr spiegel i wanted to say dr spiegel i don't think is a narcissist but he definitely has an ego mm. and a lot of people who are like experts and quite intelligent and academic there's no doubt that they have massive egos um he is I think he understands what narcissism is based on his explanations and all of that stuff. Um, and I don't think a person who understands narcissism can be a narcissist. That's just my view. Because um, they understand it. And he was, he, was very, he, was very, he made it very clear what a narcissist is. And he I hit point after point. And I was like, yep, this guy actually gets it. Um, whereas what's interesting, and this is what I've, I've read and, and learned, is... I can I can quote you the various papers, but um, I don't have it in front of me right now. It's been proven that a lot of people who happen to be CEOs, surgeons, or 
or in, in you know other areas of, of medicine they generally tend to be psychopaths or they possess um, the triad traits of psychopathy machiavellianism and there was another one i'm trying to remember, remember right now um, but the reason why they tend to generally have psychopathic traits more so than others specifically surgeons and, and even doctors is apparently so most people have high levels of empathy also natural fear so you know when you watch an operation on tv and, and they're showing you them cutting up a human being and you know playing around with their body the, your natural response or reaction is like your your it's like oh god that's creepy mm. or like this is disgusting i can't believe it or like you get really irked out mm. but see the people that are in these professions because they lack real empathy um, and because they they don't really have that sense of fear so what makes a psychopath mainly different from other people is they generally don't have the capacity to feel fear um, so they 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 don't get grossed out by these things or or they don't feel you know irked nor, nor does it really shock them it, it takes a lot i would think to shock a psychopath again because there's just that part of their brain that just doesn't really um process fear that's why you always find a lot of the, even they said like people are daredevils and all that stuff and people will be like how can you just jump out of an airplane how can you do all this thing it's actually because they they lack the ability to feel fear um i was i remember like watching one um interview with will smith and you know he was going to dubai with his mates and he was talking about like how they wanted him to um skydive and in the days leading up to this skydive he said he was like constantly anxious and fearful and sweating and blah 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 again that's what a normal person should feel mm. what what the psychopath they don't, it doesn't even register in their brain that's why they they, they engage in risky activities um psychopaths aren't afraid of committing crimes for that reason because again they don't really process fear they don't care they're not fearful of authority they're not even fearful of anyone i think kevin spacey um is a psychopath and because you could just see like recently in the news he i think he was charged yeah in in the uk for several sexual offenses against men and this guy's been doing you know the apparently he's he's been attacking young men or middle-aged men or men in less senior not senior who aren't as prominent in society as as he is um and people that that can do that that kind of take advantage of others sexually physically financially because there's a lot of people who are scammers they are generally psychopaths but on your point people in the medical profession um generally happen to there's there's a higher propensity of psychopaths in the medical profession and also um, people who are CEOs and then you also find the same thing with people who are extreme risk takers yeah um, I, I remember we had an uncle by marriage right he was a surgeon and he used to describe like because I think one of our family members asked him like how do you just cut, cut a person up I think he was a plastic surgeon right and um, he basically described it as, I don't see the person as a person. I see them as a machine on the table and they're just parts. And I'm just playing around with the, like, the different, like, essentially cogs. Like, just, he's not, a, I don't, like, basically what surgeons do 
is they dehumanize their patients. Not all of them. This like sounds like bad. I'm like I'm sure there's a lot of like, they just become desensitized. They, they become desensitized. But there's an there's an I, I think people who are attracted to the profession maybe perhaps lack that empathy or that fear, and it might be because they tend to be psychopaths or narcissists. And I say that because um, we also know that psychopaths and narcissists have high, big egos, and these are very um, top-tier professions, right? And they love the attention and the adoration and all of that. So they also gravitate towards these professions because you got to remember that um, these type of personalities, like they feed off um, validation because they can't they can't source it themselves. They need it externally, right? Which is why they also chase codependence because the codependent person is a giver and these guys are takers, right? So because the, the codependent person can give a lot of love um, and they want to give a lot of love because they're people pleasers, right? Um, like they need to they need to give and see the other person happy to feel validated and likewise the narcissist psychopath is just like i need to take because i don't know how to get like i don't know how to source it myself right so um so maybe i would even say perhaps even pilots you know and they, they might narcissists and psychopaths might be attracted not I'm not saying a blanket statement that it's <laughs> only everyone's a narcissist no what i'm trying to say just to be clear here is i think certain professions attract these personalities because of the fact that you know it, the you not necessarily pilots but like you know at least in the medical profession you have to dehumanize or to a large extent you have to dehumanize the individual and i think that's why sometimes you have we have like people have bad experiences with doctors because you go to a doctor and you're like oh well he's he was a shit doctor like he didn't care about me like you know i was, it was just in and out like he you know he i was basically just um a number to him you know like he didn't really show much empathy or care you know sometimes doctors can be quite cold right but then you find this one doctor who's really nice and empathetic and then you know you're like this is my doctor for life like we had that as a, as children like we had a childhood doctor that we had all the way up until we passed away um i think maybe around our late teens right and he was an amazing doctor he was from hong kong he was he studied in the u.s great guy he's always give us lollies smile friendly like genuine you know what I mean not like a guy putting on the front like you get, this is why, again, I say you got to be careful because um, certain people can project themselves as charming individuals, but they're actually really assholes, and it's just a front. But this guy, like, he was a genuine guy. You know what I mean? Like, he would spend, like, a long time with his patients, like, because you're sitting there um, in the waiting bay, right? And you're like, man, how long does this guy take? You know, like, each, he'd probably spend, like, 30, 40 minutes on each client, but that's what made him a great doctor because he was fully invested but nowadays, like I remember I got like, like recently there was this one doctor, new doctor. I had to get her because like I needed to get a prescription, prescription, I think. I re- what do you call it when you need the doctor to like, if you want to take a blood test, they have to sign, like they have to give you this form, referral. a referral. Yeah. So I can get a blood test. Um, yeah. Cause like I had some iron deficiency issues. Like it was weird in December, like I dropped 40% my iron levels. Um, so I go to her and um, I've got the form from the, because I, I wanted to donate blood, but they refused to let me donate blood because I had iron deficiency issues, right? So I needed the doctor to sign off saying that my iron levels are back to normal, et cetera, et cetera. So 
I have this form. I, I basically, and let me actually back backtrack a bit. So I walk into the, no, I'm, I'm in the waiting, waiting area, right? And this is a new doctor. I've never had it before, but I need, I just needed to see a doctor, right? And I thought it's not a big deal because I just need the referral more than anything. So this doctor comes out, she's in a suit, right? She comes, she shakes my hand and she's like, hi, I'm doctor, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right. Like in my head, I thought it was a bit weird because like she's a doctor, she's in a suit. I'm like, all right, whatever. And then she gave me her business card. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? Like, why is she acting all corporate? You know, like you're not, you're not a business person, right? This doesn't make any sense. Like, why, what are we networking? Like, why are you giving me your business card? Anyway, we go inside the room and then I'm telling her like, my, like what the hell, like what the hell, what's going on? And I'm like, I need you to fill this form. She's like, oh, I don't have time to fill this form. Like, couldn't you have filled it out yourself and brought it to me? Like the form actually had to be filled out by a doctor, right? But she just wanted me to in and out as quickly as possible because she's a businesswoman, right? She wants like the Medicare, like, you know, people just to like come in, say I've, I've done the checkup, you know, tick a box, get out. You know, I get my money from the government because you know, I like Medicare covers, you know, well, um, from what I understand, like they, they be, as a doctor, you get paid on the number of patients that you see, right? So the number of Medicare cards that you swipe. And um, not only that, but like she was so, like in terms of the way uh, she, she just, she was so detached and it's like wasn't invested or interested in, in like, you know, like my health or whatever. It was just like, I was just a number to her, you know what I mean? And anyways, I just thought the whole thing was completely ridiculous. So, um, yeah, this is what I'm trying to say, like in the sense that like there's these professions happen also to attract the wrong people, you know what I mean? And yeah, like I, for me, um, I really, really place a lot of emphasis now on trying to find that the right medical practitioner who has empathy, like legitimate empathy. You know what I mean? That you can tell that they are they are a good person in their professional practice and outside of their professional practice because I don't care. Like if you don't have, for example, pictures of your children, your wives as a, as a doctor inside, because I remember Dr. Tran Din, like he had all that stuff, you know what I mean? Like in your medical practice, like, I'm going to think that there's something wrong with you as an individual, you know, not necessarily that you should like, you have to have this, but like, I don't know, like there's just part of me, which thinks like, um, because I don't know, I, I get the feeling that a lot of these psychopaths, like not the narcissists, they're just very self-absorbed, self-interested people. Yeah. I just wanted to also correct myself um, before we kind of continue. We're not saying that every, every person in the medical field you know, is a psychopath or we're just saying they just, it generally tends to attract people of that nature. So there are people who are, who are quite normal and functional as human beings with high levels of empathy, but see in a field such as medicine, they get worn out very easily and, and drained very easily because they're so invested and their emotions are entangled with yours. And so when they see people who are sick and suffering, they just want to give and give and give and give and give. And, give and it's just not enough. And those are the ones who get, who get burnt out very easily and you see them getting burnt out and they're not, you know, walking around saying, I'm the best, I'm the smartest, look at me, I'm a doctor. They're constantly introducing themselves as doctors or trying to make it very obvious because I've seen even there are TikTok videos of medical students um, and I get sometimes a very strong knock vibes from, from these guys and, and girls and I feel like they're doing like thirst traps where they're trying to throw out the fact that they're a doctor or studying medicine 
you know, to make themselves more value, like seem of higher value. Like who does that? I don't go go online and, you know, tell people I've got a double degree in law and finance or I make X amount of money. It's very weird to do that, you know, and why would you be tying your identity to your profession? I don't, I don't, I don't really understand that. And I feel like they're just using the platform as, as a way to kind of attract females and, and males. Like it's like, hey girls, like the guys, right? They, they look like they've cleaned themselves up quite well. And then they find some reason to show that they're a doctor or like say like, oh, doctors do this or blah, blah, blah. But it's a weird thirst trap. And the same thing I've seen with, with women do it on there. But the women, it's, it's a bit different for them. They're like, you know, it's very hard finding a guy. They get intimidated, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've noticed that recently on, on, and on TikTok. So I still believe there's just there's something about that particular field that happens not i know the reason why again but it just seems to attract a lot of people who have very strong narcissistic traits yeah i know i know it's we're sticking on this topic but i think it's important and it's a really interesting one like what came into my mind also is like i remember reading um a few articles about a lot of um new entrants into medicine you know kids studying medicine in college slash university especially here well actually no it was both in australia and overseas in america but like committing suicide, facing bullying and harassment by the senior senior doctors at hospitals and surgeons and whatnot, because apparently there's a, there's a huge culture, um, a toxic culture of bullying and intimidation and just outright cruelty on the part of um, medical practitioners, and especially by the senior medical practitioners towards the younger ones. Um, and I guess this is why I'm saying like, because we have to also remember like um, they have big egos, <coughs> excuse me. Um, they can, sorry, I'm being absolutist here, but they can have big egos and they can be quite um, narcissistic and psychopathic. And they, these people tend to be quite cruel individuals with their words, right? So, um, so you have a lot of these young kids who are facing all this pressure being told like, you know, can't you put a catheter in properly? You know, you're a fucking idiot. You know, you can't do anything right, blah, 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 blah. Um, instead of being supportive and encouraging, and that's why a lot of these kids drop out or you know have so much pressure that they just end up you know suiciding. Um, and not only that, but the the evidence to point like that strongly supports this also is a lot of nurses do not like doctors and surgeons, and you know you always hear do- uh, nurses complaining about the fact that um, these individuals. Um, think that the nurses are idiots even though the nurses actually do the majority of the grunt work right Um, but the doctors and the the surgeons can be uh, and whoever can be quite dismissive towards them you know treat them as if they're just like you know um, tools or useless or um, etc so like yeah and and sometimes i also like like think about my experiences when I've, i've been in hospital and seen some doctors like i remember like sometimes they can just be very cold and I get it, you see a lot of patients and stuff, but like, how do you lose your humanity? Like, if you're an empathetic individual, like, I think it's very hard to lose that your t- your touch with humanity. Like, I just know some of them can treat you just like, you know, it's like, I, was, I remember being in so much pain, but he's just like, he could see that I was in excruciating pain. And he's just like, you know, asking me questions about like, um, I can't remember, like, what's your address? What's this? It's like, it's all in the system. You know what I mean? Um, like, you can see I'm in pain. Like, where is your empathy? Like, why can't you resonate with me in this moment? You know? Um, 
Yeah, but not to say that we. I haven't got haven't like got good doctors. I I have, but generally my most positive experiences tends to be with the nurses, and I think because um, a lot of people who enter the nursing profession generally tend to be the empathetic individuals, the people who actually want to help in society, um, do like you know do good, um, and they tend to be quite compassionate. And ironically, um, doctors generally tend to marry nurses, at least historically. So I'm just thinking back in terms of that dynamic, the narcissistic codependent dynamic, because nurses perhaps might be the people pleasers because they want to help society, they want to see people not suffer, do well, so they're willing to do whatever is possible. And, you know, doctors, like sometimes, like you said, it's like, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, you know, you're a nurse, you're a nobody, you should marry up, like you should marry me, you know. And so this poor nurse marries this doctor who's not always the case, but, you know, he's, he's probably an absolute douchebag asshole. Um, and, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's funny how we, we went down this tangent. Yeah, that's all good. I thought, I, I still think it's relevant. Sometimes we just go in different directions, but that's that's part of the conversation. That's that's what happens when you podcast as well. Mm-hmm. But going back then to the um, Amber Heard and, and, and Johnny Depp, so what I was telling Eli earlier today was, first of all, I'm actually on Johnny Depp's side, not because it's the popular thing and all of that. Um, I genuinely think she is the abuser and and Johnny Depp found himself in a in a very volatile relationship and this is a man who seems to have a lot of love to give and genuinely believes in like you know this romanticized glorified idea of love um and connection and whatnot um there's no doubt in my mind that Amber Heard basically love bombed him and what love bombing means is <coughs> this is what narcissists generally do as we mentioned in the previous podcast, you know, they mirror that whatever you love, they love. You know, they do these over-the-top gestures. Um, they're constantly messaging you. And you might think it's cute at the time because I remember one example they gave was when Johnny would come from come home from work and what his work being acting, um, she would take off his shoes for, for him, right? So before, So as he sat down, she would come in and take his shoes off. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I know some people might think, yeah, it's a bit strange or even outdated. But even if it's, I wouldn't even say outdated, like personally for me, I find it a bit unusual as well. But um, in, 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 I guess what the narcissist is trying to do is like, they're like, it's a grand gesture of, of love. But I think for most people who, who are relatively typical, that is a bit extreme. Um, and then he was saying that there was one moment where she was on the phone or doing something and then as he got as he was home he's like i'll just take my own shoes off like it, and then she basically lost it and got really infuriated and she's like what are you doing it's like i'm the one who takes your shoes off for you you don't take them off and he he mentioned it in the trial because uh, he's like that was very strange yeah and that's that's something to look out for guys in terms of narcissists they have an obsession with control right so she got annoyed with Johnny for taking his shoes off because she said to him, from what I remember, it's like, I'm the one that takes your shoes off. I mean, no one else. I'm the one who does that. So I just thought that was also really interesting because if you really want to spot like who is a narc, just watch who tries to be very controlling. And it might be something as insignificant as your clothing choice or um, you know, what you eat or where you go or like if you're buying something that they need to be so involved in that decision, even though it might be a very personal purchase, they need to just be in control. 
And that is a very classic telltale sign of a person with narcissistic tendencies, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. What, what made me straight away think to myself, I was like, this lady, I'm not saying every, because you, you can be a controlling person, not necessarily be a narcissist, so there's other qualities that she has, but definitely that control element. See, narcissists also always try to control uh, the conversation, right? They always kind of take over the decision making, um, even when it comes to let's say a discussion. And this is this is where, this is where you can normally catch them out as well. They think they're always right. They think they're the smartest human beings. When when someone else is talking, they can they can be quite dismissive. They're not really listening, or they might shut that person down very quickly and immediately. They might even go as far as to say, in the extreme case of narcissists. You know, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you don't know what you're talking about. So they're, they're engaging in ad hominem attacks where they're attacking, attacking you as a person or your character rather than actually looking at the argument and saying, hey, look, I don't agree with this because that is factually incorrect. Or like, you know, having a discussion and conversation because narcissists aren't actually very intelligent people. And when they feel like someone's challenging because when, when you challenge them they in their, their mind like are you calling me an idiot are you saying you're smarter than me it's see how it goes back to their ego hey their insecurities it's not they don't say to themselves oh actually wow that's interesting i never thought about it like that or you know you make a good point or, i'm not very well versed in this particular area or very knowledgeable in this and they're actively listening and taking your your views into consideration and genuinely have a desire to learn and understand whereas the narcissist is just like how dare you you embarrassed me in front of all these people you made me look so small rather than saying actually you know i've, I've learned so much from this discussion yeah it just so yeah um just so, so before i go down this path um it's it's very true like they will try to basically make you um question your own reality about yourself make like make you feel very small and um basically like an idiot right um like as in you can't do anything right so that's their plan because yeah because they they have low self-esteem but they actually see you as a person who you know might be very smart might be very intelligent might be very well spoken might be a lot um more handsome more beautiful than they are but their game is to make you feel so insecure about yourself you know, and trying to make you feel ugly, try to make you feel un unintelligent, trying to make you feel like you're worthless so that they can raise their value because that's the only way they can raise their value in their eyes, right? Um, because they just don't have that self-esteem, that confidence in themselves. I have to devalue another human being in order to give myself value. And you need to be careful of that. But I just want to quickly, before I pass the microphone on to Sam, I wanted to say it just reminded me of that particular individual we're talking about in that society that we were part of and i think there was an aspect where he was intimidated by us right in terms of like in terms of our conversational style that we you know we would try to talk about meaningful things in the society and and with you know with the other people around us and he's like just to show you like what an immature narcissist looks like you know his his go-to argument is like you got a pin dick yeah <laughs> like that's how fucked up they are. You know what I mean? Like it's just like you, you, so that was your contribution to the discussion, As, and your your contribution was to attack the individual, like a you know like the you know twelve year old little boy that you are. Because th let's be honest, narcissists are little boys. They're not men. You know what I mean? Because 
that's his argument. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to attack your character, you as an individual. He's like this ridiculously immature. And I, I just I, refl- I was just thinking when you were saying that because I'm just like that guy's a fucking idiot. Like he's legitimately a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Like what? Can't you contribute to the discussion in an intelligent capacity or manner? You know what I mean? And like I just remember like his his behavior, like you know him trying to act like all cute and this and like pl- twirling like girls' hair and stuff. And I'm just thinking, what the fuck are you doing, bro? <laughs> Exactly. I actually forgot what a massive moron that he is. He is so weird, so strange. And this is what I don't understand. And, you know, people can correct me and whatever. So we, we're talking about the control thing. Like what? Like it's weird because and I'm not, not attacking girls or anything like that. But why do they find these kind of guys attractive? That's what I really struggled with. And I know in this case, it's flipped around with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. I don't think he found... The controlling hold one second i don't feel like he found the controlling aspect of her attractive but I, I, in a weird way i think he, he this guy was sucked in one by by her looks right um okay so i'll, I'll pause on that and i'll let you answer that but i wanted to before i pass it on okay so then why okay so some girls they go oh that's hot you know the guy's very dominant in a way right he's like let's go here let's i'm not, we're not i don't want to eat here um I don't, I don't like she's like let's do this fun activity right like i don't want to do that you know and then for, for a lot of people from who are sitting from the outside they're like that's rude that's pretty brash that's pretty aggressive what do you honestly find this attractive and some girls are like yeah he shows he cares about me and blah 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 and i re- do you re- is really like is is that what you find attractive yeah like the reason i want to i want to step in is because like i've read enough in terms of the literature to understand this and watched enough like therapists talk about this it's and even in johnny depp's case well what was happening is he was playing on an unhealed wound and in his case it was a mother wound so his mother was a narcissist right and so for him growing up in that environment like when his mother would like he would obviously was emotionally neglected so the only time he would get the attention from his mother is when she was being abusive towards him and as a child so you know we all we all know that as human beings we need um we need love and bonding and that social engagement with our parents and friends in order to survive right we're social beings especially as children they say you know you need you need to have that um that kind of dynamic and relationship with your parents especially as young kids so he would only get attention from his mom um when she was being abusive towards him physically um you know verbally emotionally like that's probably the only time he was seeing any kind of attention or emotion directed towards him from her so he as a child because your brain is built to survive it's like and again your brain needs to have that um like i said needs like it it tells you that you need to have that social connection right it started to say it started to attach that kind of behavior with love so your brain mixed up its wiring so instead of saying oh no when a parent hugs you when a parent says i love you when a parent validates you that's love when a parent gives you unconditional love no matter what you do if you spilled milk if you spilled cereal you know they're not going to come and tell you you're a fucking idiot you're useless you can't do anything right and you think to yourself, oh, my parents giving me attention. That must be love. Mm-hmm. No, but if your parents give me unconditional love, it's all right. Like it happens, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's what real love is. Mm-hmm. But instead, Johnny's brain and other people mixes it up. It thinks that's what, um, what love is. But that's actually just attachment. Because 
as individuals, especially as children, we don't want to be alone. Like we, it's, it's about survival is in a group. We're tribal individuals. We can only survive in a group. So we have to toe the line, you know, in order to like in, to survive. So, so when he saw Amber Heard, energetically, let's just say, or like the, maybe the way in the interaction, she mimicked his mom. So he had unhealed wounds with his mom and he was probably thinking in his head, like, um, without subconsciously, I, I have to play out this dynamic. So I, I just remembered from the trial what was happening. Why they, when they asked him, like, you know, how did you guys meet and blah 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 and all of that stuff and what attracted you to her. So now I remember she actually engaged in mirroring because so as everyone knows, there's a massive age gap between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Maybe I think it's like 22 years, maybe 22 to 30. So, so anyway, something quite significant. Um, Whereas he said, well, in the, in the initial phase, you know, she, she kind of liked the same music that I liked. He's like, which was quite rare because he likes a specific type of music and she'd like to have the same kind of conversations and all that. So I think what she did was she really studied him quite well and her being attractive, you know, again, I don't personally find her attractive, but by conventional standards, um, her being attractive kind of lured him in and then she kind of sucked him in by mirroring him. Um, and then they, she probably love bombed him and then kind of got him swept up. But I just want you to answer my question. And I, 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 look, I have an understanding why from a psychological perspective, and this is, I think, what you can discuss. Why is it that these women who, who do end up in relationships with guys who are extremely controlling and domineering, why would they be attracted? Like any normal, rational human being who has a strong sense of free will and independence would not want someone controlling every thought every move every you know decision in their life well it's just the flip it's just the inverse they're playing out on a father wound right so the only time they would get love or affection or attention from their father is when their father was being physically or emotionally abusive and again because as a child your your your, your wiring isn't as developed like you start to think oh like um, I was actually being initially ignored and whatever, emotionally neglected. But at this moment in time, my father is yelling at me. I've got his attention, right? So you start to make that misassociation um, that this is love, right? So, so then, you know, you grow up in that environment. You get conditioned that way. So you start to think um, when a guy is being nice to me or kind to me, you think, one, maybe that's like, maybe he's being deceptive. Two, maybe that's not real love. You know what I mean? Because as a child, because this is subconsciously, my wiring says it was only when my dad was yelling at me. It was only when my dad was being was um, was ignoring me. It was only when my dad was like behaving in a certain way, is when I had his attention, when I had his quote unquote love, right? So that's why they end up playing out that dynamic because they never truly healed from it, right? Which is why, like after a certain point in time, but like a lot of these people that enter these relationships with these narcissists, you know, once they've healed their wounds, they, I think they will reflect back and they think, what the hell was I thinking? Like, why did I engage with that person? And then they start, I think, being very harsh on themselves because they've come to the realization. It's just like, um, I was, I, I devalued myself. I was um, like, how could I do this to myself? You, you know, but again, this is, this is not entirely your fault because you know, you were raised in, a, in an environment perhaps of trauma. And so it's just your conditioning. And then you have to try to break out of that, that, um, that conditioning and that generational uh, trauma, right? So um, 
yeah like that's why i, I guess you know some, you, and society is we have there's a lot of there's masculine wound in society um at the moment like like there's a lot of wounded males in the sense of um you know they they weren't raised properly these these men so um they were raised in probably in an environment where you know that their parents or whoever filled their heads thinking like you're the best you're this you're the greatest blah 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 like you're special or maybe even emotionally neglected them or maybe were abusive towards them to the point where they used narcissism as a coping relationship coping strategy to survive right becoming self-interested self-absorbed i have to only think about me because no one else is thinking about me so um there is there is a lot of that wounded energy in society because society isn't healthy it's 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 there's, there's a huge aspect of toxicity so then you and and then you know you have these girls chasing um these these guys because for validation you know they're just playing out on their wounds so it's 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 either both parties just playing out on their wounds yep yep no i see that that makes sense because as you pointed out it's it's this a lot of it is the father wound and for people who kind of went through a chaotic upbringing, when I mean chaotic upbringing, I'm talking about, you know, you, your father would easily be disappointed, you know, like anything you said or done, um, I mean, you, you'll be scolded for. And so this idea, there's an idea that you, you know, it, you have to fight for someone's love, for someone's approval. And if things come easy, it almost makes unnerves you and it makes you feel it's almost strange so like a guy being nice and decent and honest is such a foreign concept and you're like what's this guy's agenda it's weird you actually they you would think that a person who's relatively healthy and is treating you well has some sort of hidden or underlying agenda and, and this isn't normal which is incredibly strange yeah because biologically what happens is when you're in a toxic environment you're in fight or flight mode right so your body is always tense there's a lot of anxiety you're stressed out so you're just used to constantly that feeling of i'm i've got heart palpitations i'm sweating i'm stressed um i need to yell um you know the foot the shoe might drop at any moment you know things i have to walk on eggshells so that's what you, you, your, your body thinks is normal. So when you find a healthy individual, a stable individual, a consistent individual, you're, you're in fight or flight mode. So you're thinking like, I, and then you go with this person, then you start to feel calm and safe. But then what happens is you're getting anxiety because you're like, hold on, like, I'm not used to this feeling. Like, I, I feel calm and safe and like, um, you know, nothing's like... Uh, nothing's going to happen to me. I don't need to walk, walk on eggshells. I can express my emotions openly without, you know, being dismissed or dis not validated or etc. But because of the way your brain's wired, right? Because it's it's conditioned over like years, decades. Your brain's telling you, no, no, no. You're this is uneasy, uncomfortable. This isn't right because you what you're used to is being in fight or flight mode. That's where your place of comfort or your sense of comfort has always been. So trying to shift into a state of calmness and stuff for you is anxiety driving because you're not used to it. So that's why girls sometimes or guys will chase toxic relationships because that reminds them of that feeling, you know, oh, this is this is what I'm used to. I know this feeling. This is the feeling that I'm, I'm comfortable, not necessarily more interesting. This is subconsciously, subconsciously this is the feeling that I'm, comfortable that i think is home that i think is safe yep yep i, I see that and I, I saw something interesting recently where apparently if a person feels sleepy around their partner 
it's because their nervous system is at ease, mm. you know, and they if, so it's weird sometimes because can downregulate. can downregulate and just relax. And so it's not like you find your partner boring or your energy levels drop when you're around them. It's because your body safe. feels safe. Your body can get out of fight or flight. That's right. Because what people don't also understand is you might mentally think to yourself, I'm fine. You know, the trauma isn't there, but your body holds on to trauma you know you don't realize it. you so you you might shake your leg while you're sitting down you might you might even um twitch a lot you know you're moving around sporadically like your head you look any, any noise any anything that's passing by your 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 attention's constantly averted or for example you know you don't you yeah you just you, you feel like you might think you have like a rush of energy but that's just your stress levels like your cortisol levels are elevated and your heart is beating and you think to yourself oh, i must be so attracted to this person or they they you know they make life so interesting and exciting but all those physiological physiological responses you know the sweating the heart beating faster and all that that's actually not a good sign it's a sign that you feel like it's okay to feel nervous when you're meeting someone for the first time it's not because that person yeah it's a stranger your body's actually you know on is on alert and you're like can i try it takes a while to build up a relationship because first of all you have to establish trust and all of this but if you still feel that way when you're in a relationship there is something fundamentally wrong if you feel like that person's going to lash out at any moment or if you say something they're going to yell or that's that's you have to walk on eggshells you know you're worried that that person's going to give you the silent treatment right if you say the wrong thing if you don't do exactly as they say or there's some form of punishment in some way and a lot of narcissists use the silent treatment as as, as punishment as well which people should be aware of because a healthy person if there's a problem you sit you communicate and if you can't communicate in that moment you take a break you give each other some space you know, you let your nervous system down regulate and calm down and then you come back and you revisit the conversation, you, you know, whereas being around narcissists, you you always feel like you think to yourself, oh, first of all, this relationship is, is so intense. Like you feel like there's so much emotion, but that actually isn't a good thing because, you know, you have very high highs and very low lows. What you should be looking for in life is just kind of a steady pace. That's actually what most people should be looking for. And for some people who, who are so used to volatile relationships, it comes across as extremely boring. And it's not that the relationship is boring. It's that the relationship is stable and healthy. You know, you're not supposed to feel these rushes. You're going to have a very, very miserable life. Yeah, the highs and lows thing is interesting. I never really understood it until I kind of looked into the, the, the research. So, and hearing therapists talk about it, but... Um, it's not that there's actually a high high. What happens is the narcissist um, breadcrumbs you, right? So the narcissist will have moments where they treat you so like like shit, basically like you're the scum of the earth, right? Like they'll treat you so poorly that, and they know what they're doing. They know this, but then they'll throw you a little breadcrumb and you take that little aspect of positivity, positivity and you think, oh my God, I'm relieved because remember as a, as a codependent people pleaser, yeah, you're regulating yourself based on, on how they treat you, right? So if they, they give you that little aspect of like now, it's like now I'm going to tell you I love you or make you tea or whatever. You think that's the world to you or he's taken or like they've taken you out. You're like, oh, I'm amazing. Like 
um, everything's back to normal. I feel good again. The world's bright. Like, you know, I, it's, it's like there's rainbows and everything everywhere because, you know, he, he or she likes me again. But it's just like they haven't really done anything. Like they've given you the bare minimum, you know, and they, they know what they're doing. Like they, they will treat you like shit, be cruel towards you, and then give you that little dose just to keep you addicted. Yep. And another thing is narcissists are afraid of loss. Actually, so they, they hide it really well. They make you think that you need them more than they need you. Whereas in actual fact, these people are incredibly insecure and their greatest fear is abandonment right and so what they cleverly do is they kind of reframe things where you're always chasing them thinking that at any moment they could leave you but that's not that's not true like they they are actually deeply afraid that one day you know you kind of awaken and see them for what they truly are and you walk away if you call them out on their bullshit you know you quickly you quickly see them scrambling so what i mean is narcissists are very bad at accountability mm. right so initially if you if you say hey i don't like the way you talk to me right so they, they'll deflect always they'll be like no it's because you say this or you do that or the or if you said to them hey like you you know you're quiet why are you talking to all these other women um why are you disrespecting me in this way why are you messaging you know they'll come up with some other excuses like well you know you don't do enough for me you, you should be doing more for me to make me feel like a man. These other women treat me like how I'm supposed to be treated like a man. But truly, once if you actually pull away from them, because like I said, one, they're afraid of loss. Two, they don't take accountability. Once you start pulling away from them, don't, don't, don't try to engage in discussions with narcissists. It's actually very fruitless. The, these are people that, that say, for example, sorry, I'm just, I've lost my train of thought. I had a really good point to make. Um, while you try to remember that I'm just going to quickly jump in and on your point um, just so you guys are aware narcissists also have sneaky links or side people on the side because at any moment they're worried that if you leave them because you remember they're such fragile egos that if you leave them they have a backup that they can run to right so they're going to jump into a relationship straight away because they don't know how to like be alone because they're panicking because they're like they need that source they need somebody to give them that validation attention affection um etc so um that's something to really be aware about when it comes to narcissists so i just remembered okay and they're really good so when your relationship is getting rocky because you're challenging challenging them finally you might step up you might find your confidence and you say stop talking to me like that stop treating me like that you know and they start to scramble once they once once their excuses are not working you're like i look don't give me these excuses i've had enough of your your nonsense you know i can see right through because that scares them once you they realize that you can see right through their bullshit they get really scared so what they do and pay attention is they they they, they go into this overactive mode of trying to then get you back so like baby like i'm gonna change i swear you know i don't know what i was thinking i'm, I'm going to be a better man for you blah 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 because that's just a lot of crap. What they do is they sell you words, empty promises, so many empty promises, and you keep giving them chance after chance after chance. The tr- they're gonna come back to the way yeah, because they you think they're going to come back to the way they originally were. But the thing is, if a person is normal, if a person is healthy, they don't give a person empty promises. They go, you know what? I'm sorry. First of all, apology is important. Narcissists don't apologize. Sincere apologies. Sincere apologies. Yeah, not an apology. Yeah. 
they will apologize because they want something or they'll apologize the apology will be conditional you know i'm sorry but you made me do this yeah. i'm sorry but you know you triggered me or you're the one that no, no an apology is an apology i'm sorry yeah, flat out that's it you take accountability i shouldn't have said that i shouldn't have done that there's no addition to it if an if apology is conditional or there's some added variation i'm sorry but you made me do this or i'm sorry but you're the one that kind of pushed me down this no no, no that's bullshit right so the narcissist you have to be careful these guys or girls they'll come up with then these empty elaborate promises and these grand gestures you don't need grand gestures to apologize to someone you don't need these grand gestures of of supposed love right treating people with respect consistently is what people need respecting a person's boundaries respecting their 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 um their beliefs their morals their values them as a human being is what's required not some big excuse my language like fucking dinner right at elaborate restaurants or these like big ass teddy bears that's the most superficial worthless attempt at trying to right a wrong you didn't you didn't address the problem you didn't say you didn't say to that person you know what i love you so much the way i'm talking to you is so disrespectful that no person who truly loves someone will speak to the person that they love or care about in this way you wouldn't talk to a stranger like that why would you talk to someone so close to you like that yeah all valid points very valid points um like you can't just sweep it under the rug like if you are a sincere genuine individual you try to improve yourself as 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 a person in terms of like we're not none of us are all perfect right like we all have character flaws um and if you're if you're an honest sincere person what you try to do is you introspect reflect back and say oh you know i didn't like the fact the way i, I talk to my friend or my partner or whoever my parents in this way because you know it it wasn't very healthy right um because at the end of the day we're all learning um and and just you know full disclosure i'll be honest like there's one time like and it sits with me till this day that like it kind of eats away at me because sometimes well it's not sometimes my parents used to do it with us but um the silent treatment like that is a mentally devastating thing to do to an individual right to give them the silent treatment and i and i once like inadvertently um went silent um at a person because i was just so hurt and triggered that i was just like oh this person is not taking this conversation seriously right so i'm just like i just shut down and and, and i know like i my full like my intention wasn't to um hurt that person but i i, I could see after the fact that that was you know they were really hurt and i also kind of like had a taste of my own medicine because i did have like my parents did it to us as children but like you know you kind of forget and then when that was like done to me i realized like how hurtful it is um to go quiet on individual because the healthiest thing you, sh you should do is if there is an issue you know you just get it like as much as it sometimes sucks but it has to be like you have to be very direct you know and just express your feelings or or, or um basically like what's annoyed you or why why is it that you want to go silent you know because sometimes you just need that space because you're just like you're just so triggered and you're so hurt it's just like i just can't in this moment because um like i'm i feel so wounded like i don't know how to respond yeah but i think in your case and i'm not trying to ex excuse or anything i'm just saying i think what you, i think it's also important not to be overly harsh so it's not to say every person who who, who 
we're not we're saying some people use the silent treatment to punish other people go silent because they need space to think and process and they feel they feel offended or they go like how and they, they, they don't know how to frame the conversation or address an issue because they they're sensitive to a, another person's feelings so they don't want to hurt the other person's feelings so i it, it works both ways but generally i agree with you as mature adults you know even when we're trying to spare other people's feelings you know we we owe it to them and ourselves to just be honest and direct even if it's going to cause some pain in the short term yeah agreed i wasn't trying to be harsh on myself like i know with narcissists they weaponize the silent treatment and it's like used because they know that um they're trying to uh basically that you need that validation you need um to have a person you know because you're feeling dysregulated so it's just like ease my pain like the narcissist gives you the pain the silent treatment and also has the the solution the treatment which is like you're re-engaging with you in a conversation they're very much aware well aware of that they weaponize it or and it doesn't have to be silent treatment they might for example weaponize anything and say you know we're not going to do this today because you did this and i don't like that like you know we're not going to go out or you know we're not going to celebrate your birthday or or whatever it is you know what i mean because like literally these guys are assholes like they weaponize everything right um but what what i was trying to say is like we also need to be mindful because like obviously not all of us are narcissists but we have we inherit 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 uh we adopt certain qualities maybe sometimes our parents might have narcissistic tendencies or we grew up in an environment where maybe the culture the workplace culture encourages a bit of like that toxic behavior society. society your friends your friends could be a big one because you know you are the average of your five closest friends or the, you know the, what's the saying you know if you hang around a dumpster long enough you start smelling like you know trash so um i'm pretty sure that's the saying but that's what i'm trying to say like your friends can be a big impact and like don't uh, that's why it's important to surround yourself with healthy individuals you know if you have friends um that basically have narcissistic tendencies or traits for example they speak down to you they because like what you realize is like you know um not everyone necessarily has um your best interests at heart so so you, you have to just be aware of like is this person supporting me or is this person trying to make me is jealous and trying to make me feel like crap or perhaps they have toxic tendencies in terms of like they use the silent treatment on me or um you know they might speak to me in a very demeaning way or or whatever it is but like it's important like your environment is very important like you need to surround yourself with healthy individuals so that you can grow your like grow um and develop into a healthy person yep that, and i think we're going to wrap it up there but i just wanted to kind of conclude on that point it's very 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 true what they say you are the average of the five closest people that you hang around so if the people that you hang around have narcissistic traits are jealous uh egotistical uh insecure are aggressive rude you know gossipy um anything that would be considered negative don't think for a second that that's not going to rub off on you as a human being and i think i mentioned in the other podcast they dr romani from med circle she made it very clear she's like narcissism is like the secondhand smoke smoking of the the um of mental health there are a lot of people out there who are broken who have issues you know and they aren't they're not happy with their lives and they want other people to be just as miserable as they are and that's something a narcissist wants narcissist doesn't want people around them to be happy they want that person to be just as miserable 
as, as themselves. And the person who you were quoting earlier, Omar Suleiman, he's the one who said, and this is a very wise man, he's like, if you hang around a dumpster long enough, you'll start to smell like one. It's not to say you'll become the dumpster, you know, you don't, it rubs off on you, but it, the, the smell will attach to you. And people think, you know what? I'm not like those people. I don't engage, but don't, don't think for a second that that's not going to rub off on you. When at work, you know, so sorry, sorry, for example, people who, who are runners, right? If you compete against people that you're always better at, so running against, yeah, of course you're going to be number one. But as soon as you come start competing with people who are, who are better than you, you're going to try harder to be better yourself because you're hanging around a group of people that are, that are pushing themselves, pushing themselves and at a higher level. And so you're naturally always, so naturally you're going to force yourself to get to their level. But say, for example, if you hang around a bunch of bums in life, you will become a bum. If you hang around a bunch of entrepreneurs, you're going to end up thinking like an entrepreneur, behaving like an entrepreneur. If you hang around people who are religious, you're, you are going to find yourself becoming more religious. If you high, hang around people who have very high moral values and beliefs, and I had a friend who was a Jehovah's Witness to be and, and different religious backgrounds, both of us, but I respected him so much. And the entire group, we all came from, our friendship group came from different religions, but this guy had such strong morals and values by virtue of his religion and I respected his religion purely based on his character that he elevated our group morally and spiritually through his actions. But if you're going to hang around people, you know, that have low moral values, you know, very, very poor belief system and, and they're, they're operating at the lowest frequency in life, then don't think for a second that's not going to impact you. You're going to stop behaving like them, talking like them, thinking like them. Yeah, and just to put it in, in perspective, I know we're running over time, but I'm going to quickly say like, um, just in terms of like, even if you if you think, no, 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 I won't let them rub off on me. Like it's subconsciously they will. Like, have you ever had, you know, have you ever been with your friends and they've used a certain word, right? And then suddenly you found yourself also using that word, you know, just subconsciously. It's like, the, I don't know, like let's just for, for just as an example, say say the word, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, or you oh, wow. know, or like, or chillax, or uh, like, um, you know, like the popular yeet. dead ass, yeet, um, oh, um, you know, like the, the spill the tea, whatever it is, like even society, like you just generally you pick up these things, right? Because the people around you are using it, so you start using it, you know? Like for me, like the word bra, like I didn't really use it a lot, but then, you know, I, I started to pick up on it. It's like I was more comfortable with using it because the environment you hang around it will influence you subconsciously right yeah. which is why it's around happy people and if you're around happy people you become more like you you, you resonate with that frequency more like around negative people, you if you're around negative people yeah you become cynical and negative it's so hard to be sad when you're around happy people. like for example how can you possibly be sad if the people that you normally associate with and hang around and see frequently are all very happy so sometimes I even say to people, if you find yourself to be a bit down, miserable, consistently, and, and, you're, and you're sad and insecure, it's because you're hanging around people that aren't making you feel good. You're around people who are actually quite cynical, who are actually quite negative. When I, when I'm, when I can tell you when I'm around people who are high energy, you know, they have a zest for life, they don't gossip, you know, they're, they're very respectful, you feel good. Yeah, I was going to say also like what's really important in society is... So if you have a group who basically, um, let's just say, because there's a lot of like, 
let's just say you have a group where that person like fat shames another individual and says because they're feeling insecure themselves so they might say see an individual like oh that person is so fat or that person let's say is so ugly right because they're insecure about themselves like that's a toxic person you have to recognize that because that individual like is not realizing that they because as as in, as, a, as a person you might be sensitive to that you might start to think well you know i have this like maybe i put on a bit of weight or maybe i look a bit ugly or maybe whatever so like you you know like unless you have a strong um, sense of self and, and and character um you know you might that's that might and self-esteem that might start like affecting you you know what i mean like that person's low self-esteem and the fact that they're attacking another individual and calling them fat or ugly or whatever you know you might start to like it might start to impact your self-esteem. So you have to be very conscious and realize that that person at that moment in their life is not a very healthy individual. And there's underlying um, issues that they need to address themselves um, so that, you know, they can, so, so that they can improve as an individual because that stuff will rub off. And yeah, so I'm going to wrap it up, but I also wanted to just, guys, I just wanted to give you this little test that you can apply in life to see, whether someone's a good person or I'm not saying this is the is the ultimate test but say someone says something or does something that you don't like right rather than ignoring it or playing it down or or, or kind of ignoring it just say to that person then and there hey I don't I don't like you when you I don't like it when you say that hey I, I, I find you're making me feel uncomfortable and if that person's automatic response is or immediate response is to say I'm so sorry I didn't mean it this way you know um, and they stop and they go look, I, I'm not going to do that again, but I understand your point of view. Generally speaking, that person is l less likely to be a narcissist because they, they, they understand your, your, your boundaries. But if that person goes, hey, like, stop being so sensitive or like, why are you making a big deal out of this? Or, or you, don't, you don't even, you know, deep down in, you're overreacting or deep down inside, you know that that person's response is going to be so excessive and overblown if you call them and say, I don't like it when you speak to me like that. Mm. Then you shouldn't be with that person because that, that person's toxic and you don't feel safe. And all you've done is you've kind of avoided and you know walked on yeah, you walked along the edges and pretended to yourself, no, no it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal because you never truly addressed mm. the problem. You know, I'm married and I th not that, like, a couple of days ago I said something and my wife was like, "Hey, I don't like it when you say that." And I straight away said, I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I shouldn't have said that. That's it. That's it. But see, a person who isn't genuine, who isn't decent, decent will be like, yeah, get over it. You know, I didn't say anything wrong. You're overreacting. Why is it a big deal? Or they'll, they'll continue, like, play it down or crack a joke or type of thing. It's like, actually, not everything's a joke. That person's saying, I'm genuinely offended. You've got to validate their feelings, their yeah, emotions. Yeah, validate their feelings, validate their emotions, mm -hmm. and just leave it at that. Anyway, guys, one sec. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to wrap it up. Like, this was a very interesting conversation. I honestly didn't even expect it to go down this, this path. But, like, yeah, this whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial, like, it's really brought to light um, a lot of these, these toxic elements in society, right, especially around um, narcissistic individuals because this is a very high-profile public case, right? And I don't believe in coincidences. I believe everything happens for a reason. And what well, this year, what it really is like the theme of this year is proving to be is exposing a lot of these charlatans in society, these negative people. Um, and I, I honestly believe that the reason why this Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is happening is because 
um, you know, the God, the universe, like wants to really um, realign individuals and pull them out of their this, these toxic patterns, these unhealthy relationships. And it's, it's really, it wants people to heal, you know, like we went through like two years of like, in like, you know, being COVID, the lockdowns, like this obviously had a lot of, um, you know, impact on people's mental health also and stuff. But like this year, I truly believe is about helping people heal. And especially in terms of, you know, generation, uh, those generational traumas, there's unhealthy relationships. Um, and I also think, you know, like the whole Will Smith um, issue, again, the theme there, I believe is like, and I, this is controversial, but I don't, I don't believe it's controversial, but it's, it's exposing these narcissists, these unhealthy people, because yes, Will Smith, I don't agree, you know, slapped Chris Rock, like that was that was completely wrong, you know what I mean? And he needs to take accountability and you know apologize sincerely and publicly. But I am going to say this, and I've I've had debates with colleagues and friends about this. But honestly, um, his wife is most likely, and we'll see this down the track, probably this year. From what I understand, there's, there's probably divorce proceedings happening. Um, but um, his wife is probably um, this is just an assumption, maybe a narcissist. Okay, because um, yeah, just just I'm not going to go down because into this rabbit hole. Maybe the next next podcast. Um, but this this year is really exposing these individuals, and I'm I hope like initially I wasn't too sure like what how podcast is going to play out and all of this stuff. But I honestly like I feel very strongly that um, like the intention now with the podcast is to really help people heal and expose these unhealthy individuals in society and these these toxic elements in society because you know we need to protect ourselves from them because these individuals need to go on their own healing journey you know we need to heal from them and as well as protect ourselves from them because you know it, you want to live a good positive life yep i completely agree and i feel like there's a big general awakening don't i don't want people to think about this as men versus women or men or women versus men for example the me too movement was a legitimate and great movement because what it did was it exposed the predators and a lot of them happened to be males and that's and it's good because people in positions of power or authority priests celebrities you know actors you know managers ceos no one has any right you know to take advantage of another human being and a lot of women, unfortunately, in, in the world of um, acting and um, movies and TV and all, and all of that, like Hollywood, you know, they were taking advantage of a lot of innocent people who, who, who were trying to seek fame and, and, and they, you know, they wanted to grow in the industry. The Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial does not delegitimize, nor does it take away from that, from that experience. Because I know there's some arguments, people saying, oh, you know, like, this trial is such a bad thing for like for the me too movement because it it, it's it's basically taking women backwards it's not this isn't about men or women one the the me too movement exposed predators and there's a lot of predators out there right and now this 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 particular case it's it's balancing both sides but it's also causing (laughs) awakening to for people to understand there are people out there who are narcissists there are people out there who aren't mentally stable or healthy and they're damaging other human beings and Amber Heard is one of those people that damaged Johnny Depp well to an extent she did she did do damage to him 
and his parents, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So there's that trauma, right, from his childhood. But there are a lot of unhealthy people out there who need help, right? And they're walking around life causing damage. And there are people who, are, who have experienced that damage well into adulthood and it's still impacting their life. And now we're going through this massive awakening. And this is a great case because now a lot of people can kind of draw these conclusions and associations and reflect back on their own lives. But guys, I know this was a very... <laughs> we keep doing this. But I just want to like make it clear that like at least the way I see it, the unhealthy people that are being exposed are the narcissists, the psychopaths. Like there's obviously don't like we're not trying to say if if you you know if you have mental health issues that you're like you're, you fall into that category. No, no, far from it because the the realistic truth is people also have like a mental health issues as a reaction to trauma. Trauma that's caused by you know narcissist um, individuals that you know exhibit these tendencies. So um, like just just to clarify on that point. Now, what we will say is, um, yeah, we've gone an hour and a half into this conversation, but it's a very interesting conversation. And I think it's worth also talking about the Will Smith um, saga and what happened there and maybe even just still continue to discussion the discussion around the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Um, but on that point, guys, like we really appreciate um, you guys tuning in. You know, we have actually recorded this conversation um, earlier on, on Friday. We went... Uh, be able to record this on the Sunday. Um, I just I just won't have the the time. So um, yeah, we might even release this tonight. Hey, we, what do you think? Yeah, we should probably release it tonight for you guys to listen. And yeah, we just want to say a big thank you for tuning in. And um, yeah, guys, stay juicy.